Pray with me as we get started. Father, we come to you as always um, needy and recognizing the fact that apart from you, we can do nothing. But as we are now in a new year and just with things that have already transpired in this year, God, we know now more than ever how much we need you. And so, God, as we open up your word today, God, I pray you would speak to us. You would help me to communicate your truth, God, not only a way that honors you, but it is helpful to us. And God, I pray that you would help all of us to listen and to really hear and to see the truth that is in it, God, because I really believe that the message that we need more than anything uh, in 2021 is the message that we're going to look at today. And so, God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together, whether that's in person or online, and for all the families of our church that, that make up who we are as a people. God, I pray that you would bless us and help us, like I said, God, more than anything this year to abide in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you've got a Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 15. That's where we're going to hang out for the next few weeks. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We've got the verses on the screen. If you don't even own one, we'd love to give you one as a gift after our gathering is over. But whether you're online or in person, I'm glad that you're gathering with us today. It is a privilege and honor to gather together. And I know there's a lot of things going on in our society that prevent us from gathering together, a lot of unrest and, and those kinds of things. I heard someone say this last week. Uh, we were seven days into the new year, and they said, hey, I've tried the seven-day trial subscription. I'd like my money back. And uh, as, we, as we face this new year, I know there's that, that sense, there's a, a hope whenever we're in a new year that we are very hopeful and we have goals and dreams. And, and even as we're in this still in the pandemic and politics and those kinds of things, that, that it's very easy to get disillusioned already. But that is why we as a church always take the beginning of the year every year to have a time that we call abide, which is where we take 21 days to pray and to fast and to worship. And so that's going to start on January, Monday, January the 11th, go through January the 31st. And that is 21 days that we set aside. And that number, 21 days, comes from when Daniel, and Daniel, we talked about this last year if you were here, he fasted and prayed for 21 days. And, and I thought this year more than any, and it's, I'm a nerd like this, and so it just kind of fit together, that this year it is 2021. And so I thought, what better thing to do than in 2021 than to take 21 days to pray, fast, and worship? You can almost say it's like God ordained it, all right? Don't tell me he didn't, because I just think he did, all right? So whether you, thank you for the claps, I appreciate that, all right? Whether you think that or not, the idea of it is we, we do want to take some time this year to really focus on Jesus, to set aside specific time to abide in him. And, I, and I'll get into what abide is but, but the reason is, is because that's who we are as a church. As a church, as Revolution Church, we exist primarily for Jesus. And it's important for us to understand that. And in fact, especially if you're new, but even if you're not, if you've been around for a long time, I think it's good to come back around as a church what our mission is, what our mission statement is. Is And it's on our website, it's on our buildings, and maybe you've heard it a lot, hopefully you've heard it a lot, but if you haven't, I'm going to quickly say it to you, and then that's going to be kind of our jumping off point for our text in John chapter 15. But our mission statement as a church is simply this, to love Jesus and grow people. To love Jesus and grow people. Now, what makes Revolution Church unique is not our mission in that our mission as a church is the same as any church on the planet because any church on the planet gets its mission from Jesus, from the Bible. What's unique about Revolution Church is just how we communicate it or how we might do certain things as a church. And, and, and I came here, it's crazy now to think about, 11 years ago this month, I became the lead pastor of Revolution Church in 2010. And our church at that point in time was about a little over five years old, about five and a half years old, and was in a period of transition and then I became the lead pastor of Revolution Church, and we were portable at the time. And those of you OG Revolution people, you remember that season of our church. And it was in a real time of transition, a lot like what the transition we are even in as a country. And so when I came, I knew that I wanted to make sure that our church was built on two things. 
that our church was built on two things, and I'm going to say those to you now on the screen as well. Revolution Church is built on the person of Jesus and the process of growth. The person of Jesus and the process of growth. The reason why I'm saying that is because I was a new pastor at the time, and, and I wasn't the founding pastor. I wasn't the original pastor, and there was, again, a state of transition during that time, and I wanted to make sure that our church, more than anything, understood that the success of Revolution Church wasn't based upon me, the person of Jason, but the person of Jesus, because again, I'm only going to be the pastor. I'm an interim pastor here. Now, I've been here 11 years. By Lord willing, I'll be here 30 more, right? But I don't get to determine that. But the point was, I wanted our church to understand that what makes our church successful is Jesus. It's got to be built on Jesus, the person of Jesus. The second thing was, I wanted to be built on the process of growth. And the reason is, is because depending upon your church background or church history, you might have grown up in a certain kind of denomination or a certain flavor, and they have certain things that they do, and those are called programs. And so there was Sunday school or different kind of programs that churches do. And I had not grown up in church, but I had been around long enough to know that in church world, there's kind of a joke of um, once you do things three times, it's the way we've always done it. And so at Revolution, I wanted to make sure that we weren't like committing ourselves ultimately to a certain program because we were committed to growing people, to the process of growth. So we would change any program that we needed to change in order to accomplish the process of growing people. So we weren't committed to a program. We weren't committed to a certain style. In fact, if you've been around Revolution Church, we've changed times and locations and stuff all throughout the years because we're not committed to those things, but we're committed to Jesus and growing people. Those are the two foundational building blocks of our church. Now, the reason why I'm starting there as now we jump into John 15 is because as we go into this season of abiding, I wanted to make sure that we all understand that anything good that we want to see in 2021, any growth that we want to happen in us, in our family, in our country in 2021, it's going to come from the person of Jesus. And that is what our church is built on. So now let's go to John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. I'm just going to do five verses in John 15 this week, and we'll do the rest over the next couple weeks. But Jesus says this in John 15, verse 1 and 2. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Now, a couple things. It starts off in chapter 15 with the phrase, I am. Now, if you know anything about Jesus, if you know anything about the gospel, anything about the Bible, Whenever you see the phrase, I am, it's picking up from the Old Testament when God told Moses, when he called Moses to go free his people from Egypt in slavery, he said, and Moses asked him, who, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell him I am sent you. It's like, oh, I know, but what's your name? Yeah, that's what it is. I am. And, and in Hebrew, that's the covenant name Yahweh. And so whenever you hear that word or see that word, that's God's name. And it means he is what he is. What? Yes, he is. And now when Jesus shows up on the scene, he gives descriptors to that. So a couple things you need to know. Right off the bat, Jesus is claiming to be God. There, there are crazy people out there that say that Jesus never claimed to be God because he never said, I am God. But when he said, I am, he's claiming it. And that's why they killed him. But he gives descriptors. And in fact, in John 15, verse 1, is the last of the I am statements that Jesus says. And I think it's the best, although all the other ones are great too. But you always save the best for what? Last. And so here's Jesus, his last statement, and he says, Listen, I want you to get this. I am the true vine. The true vine. Now, those two words, true vine, and there are two words there in Greek, are both important. So let's break them down. True means genuine, it means real. When we were in school, for those of you that were in school or those of you that are in school, whenever you take a test and you take a true or what's the other one? False. I don't know if you, you know, what tests you like. I hated the test where you had to write a lot of stuff. I liked multiple choice and I, I would pick C. Anybody else? A C picker, right? You just pick C because my mama told me she read a study. Just pick one letter all the way through, right? But I really like true or false questions because my percentage went up. 
right? It was like, man, I got a 50% chance of getting this baby right. And, and this was true. What I hated though is when they asked questions that looked like trick questions that you thought it was true, but it actually they wrote it in a way that it was false. I hated those. But this idea of true and false, it's a contrasting, right? Something is either true or it's false. And so what Jesus is saying here, he is claiming to be the only vine that is true, the only vine that is genuine, that is real, that is not fake. So by definition, if Jesus is saying he is true, then he is now separating himself from those that are what? False. So here's why this is important. You and I have to clue into the fact that if Jesus is the true vine, that means there are other vines that are false. So there are false ones. There are non-genuine ones. There are fake ones. Now that's important because the second word he says vine. All right, so he's the genuine vine. So what is the vine? The vine, again, is a metaphorical picture, if you will. And for those of you that have gone to Israel, we went last year and I hope for us to go again. In fact, I hope to, to oh, in the future, to be able to take trips of people to Israel from Revolution Church because it was so formative and life-changing just to understand things. But it was very much an area where vines grow. In fact, vines in the Old Testament signified life and the source. And, and what Jesus is saying is, I am the genuine source. I am the real vine, the true vine. What he's getting at is the source of everything good that you want in life comes from me. That's what he means when he says he's the vine. So then again, we think about that in context and say, okay, if Jesus is the true source, then there are people that are fake sources, right? That are fake, not genuine, false. Here's how the Bible would describe them. Antichrists. Or another way to describe people is false teachers. The, the biggest goal in my life, outside of having a successful marriage and raising godly kids, is to not be a false teacher, to be a true teacher. And what signifies the difference between a true teacher and a false teacher biblically is how they see Jesus, how they relate to and preach Jesus, because Jesus is the true teacher. He is the true source. This is what he says. Now, he also talks about his father here. His father, God the Father, is the vine dresser. What that means is he's the one who tends to, cares for the vine and the branches. In fact, he says he does two specific things. He cuts off branches that don't bear fruit, and he prunes, he cuts back branches that do bear fruit so that they'll bear more fruit. Now, it sounds to me like the Father is obsessed with fruit, because he is. Because Jesus will say later in John 15, and we'll get into this, because it glorifies God that we bear much fruit. Now, what does that mean? Very simple. Here's what fruit means. Another way to think of fruit is results. We call it produce, right? When you go to the store and we have, we live in an amazing time in the history of the world that there is produce out of season, right? I mean, we have, and it's weird for us to think about like that stuff actually grows on trees and they put it in refrigerators and bring it to us, right? There's a season to those things. Well, we use the term produce. Well, if you think about the term, literally, it means to produce, produce fruit, results. And so fruit is the produce. It is the result of something. Now, here's why the father is obsessed with that. The father is obsessed with that because when the branches are connected to the vine, he wants transformation to happen in the branches. Because that glorifies Jesus. Let me say it to you like this. It doesn't glorify God if we claim to be Christian, yet there is no results in our life. It doesn't glorify God if we claim to be connected to the true source, but yet there's no results in our life. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? So if I'm connected to Jesus, there should be fruit. There should be results. The fruit of what? 
Well, Galatians 5, I say this to you all the time. Galatians 5, Paul calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, he says, there is no law. What does that mean? Nothing can stop the fruit of the Spirit when you're connected to the vine. Now, here's where most Christians get it wrong and why we do this series every year. We look at the fruit of the Spirit and we think wrongly, all right, I need to go be more loving. So in 2021, my goal is to be more loving. In 2020, I need joy. Who could use some joy in 2021, right? I got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Yeah, I need that in 2021. I'm going to have joy. Peace. Who could use some peace, man? Not just peace in the Middle East, peace up in this East, right? Like peace here, here. We need peace. But we, I'm going to get peace. Here's one that we all know that never works. Patience. I use this as the example all the time. If you make it as your goal to be more patient in 2021, you'll get in about, let's say this, you'll ruin peace faster than you will your diet or patience faster than you will your diet. But here's the good news. God isn't asking you to do all those things. He never has asked you to do all those things. What is he asking you? He's asking you to abide in him and let him do all those things in you. That's the difference. In fact, look at what Jesus says in verse three and four. He says, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you, saying it's me, it's my word, it's the logos, it's who he is that makes us clean. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he tells us, he's the vine. He's going to say it again, verse 5. He's the vine, we are the branches. The branches can't bear the fruit, can't produce the fruit. Here's the good news of the gospel. The branches derive their life from the vine. And the vine grows its fruit on the branches. So all the branch has to do is hang with the vine, remain in the vine, live in the life of the vine. And that word abide means to remain. I was thinking about this word over the Christmas holidays when my 11-year-old daughter, Natalie, and I were at Home Depot buying some stuff with the rest of Cherokee and Pickens County. Because, you know, it's just been crazy seasons, a lot of, you know, projects and people are doing. So we were doing some projects and I needed to get some totes and stuff. And so Natalie always liked going with me when she was a kid. She used to call it Fun Depot because she liked going around the store and her and my son Jackson would chase each other and get in trouble. And that's fun to them, right? And so she liked the little carts with the steering wheels. And she doesn't call it Fun Depot anymore, but I try to make it fun every time we go. And so we were there shopping, just her and I. We go up to the counter, and you know at every counter, pretty much every store now, they got stuff for you to buy that, that you forgot that you didn't even know you needed, like Snickers, right, and M&Ms and those kinds of things. And so there was gum that was there. And, and my daughter, Natalie, she's funny. She's, she's become a big gum chewer. But the problem is is she doesn't really chew it. I don't know if your kids are like this. So she asked me, she's like, hey, dad, can I buy or can you buy me some gum? And I said, no, I won't buy you gum. And here's why. I said, I buy you gum. You put it in your mouth and you don't chew it any longer than five minutes. Not even enough to freshen your breath. And then you're spitting it out. And I kid you not, this is what my daughter said. She said, well, dad, I chewed it for like an hour once. Okay, okay, like once you chewed it for like an hour. So is like an hour an hour? I don't know all you that use like unnecessarily. Tell me. That should be your 2021 resolution. Quit using the word like. It's unnecessary, all right? It's a brain filler, like uh. And so I told her, I'm like, babe. And, and I started laughing immediately and wrote it down in my notes. And I said, I'm going to use this in my sermon. And she likes that. She loves it when I use her stories in my sermon. Because she'll ask me, Dad, did you use any of my stories in my sermon? 
And, and so I told her that I, you know, this week I was using it, and, but here's why, and here's where I'm going with it. It made me think of this concept of abide, remaining. And then I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people that treat Jesus in the church like my daughter does gum. They think, yeah, I tried that for like an hour once and it didn't work. I tried Jesus once. You know, when my marriage was falling apart, I tried Jesus once for like an hour. You know, when, when I lost my business, I tried Jesus once for like, for like an hour. You know, when I lost my health or my spouse died or this thing happened or that thing happened, you know, I tried Jesus once for, for like an hour. And I thought to myself, you know, that's the problem. It takes longer than trying him for an hour. We have to abide in him. Uh, imagine the branch saying to the vine, I, I tried you for like an hour and there's no grapes. There's no apple. Where's the apple, Jesus? I've been connected to you for like, for like an hour. And so I'm using that as a reference. In fact, this whole 21 days that we're going to start, I want you to think of that story. I want to try Jesus for more than like an hour. I want to abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus. Why? Because I can't do anything without him. Look at verse five. He goes further. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, what's that last word there? Nothing. Now, if you're new, I like for you to call and response. So I'm going to do it again, even if you're watching online with me. All right, let's try it again. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Let's try it one last time, and I want you to give it to me. All right, for apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. 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 Do you know what that word means? Nothing. In fact, let's break it down in English. No thing. You can do no thing apart from him. No thing apart from him. Notice he doesn't say you can do some things. You know, you can, you can get along. I saw someone, a pastor actually, and it burned me. Burn me up. This he, he, I don't tweeted Instagram. I don't. I don't know all the languages. All right, um, it's like foreign languages. Each social media company. And, but he put something out there, and he said, "If you take the first step, God will take the next one." Not the no, no, no. That's wrong. The problem is, I can't even take the first step. If Jesus helps me, I can take the first step, and then the second step, and the third step, and the fourth step. Jesus doesn't say. Apart from me, you can do one thing and then I'll do the rest of the things. No, he says you can do no thing, nothing apart from me. Now, again, we might see that, and this is why people have a problem with Christianity. We might see that as exclusive. You're like, oh, this doesn't sound right. Like Jesus is saying that there's no one else but him. Yeah, that's what he's saying. But, but don't see that in the terms of exclusivity. What he's saying is, listen, there's no one else coming. There's no one else here. No one else can help you. So if you're stranded on an island and someone shows up, you're like, well, where's the others? He's like, there's not any. Well, that's not unloving for that person to show up and tell you that, is it? You're like, no, I believe somebody else is coming. I don't believe in this exclusivity. There's only one way to get off this island. There's only one person that's coming. There's only one person that came, and his name is J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. That's what he's saying. So he's saying, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you'll bear fruit. If you don't, you won't, because you can do no thing without me. So let me ask the question like this. If that's true, and it is, then why do we try to do all these things without him? And again, I mean this to be convicting. Because it's convicting to me. I can't tell you how many of my days in 2020 I started without Jesus. That, that I, when my feet hit the bed, I wasn't conscious and, and taking just, just a few moments. Again, 
for at least like five minutes and, and said, Jesus, I can do nothing today. I, I, I need to abide in you. I need to remain in you. I need you in me. I, I need your life in me. I can't do this without you. And that's why so many of us burn out, by the way. And this was so, our staff is going through a study right now together about being emotionally healthy. And something that was in there that was so helpful to me was it was talking about burnout. And especially people in ministry or people who serve in the church can get burned out so quickly. And he said, We always think that burnout is because we give too much. He says, No, actually, burnout is because we give too little because we're trying to give something that we don't first have. And so burnout comes from when we're giving, but we're not receiving. And that's the good news of the gospel is God never asked us to give out of first not receiving. So Jesus says, abide in me, remain in me, stay connected to me, and all the life that is me will flow through you. All the source of the genuine, he uses the words living water elsewhere, all of that that is me will flow through you. And that is what's so important for us as we begin this new year. And in fact, the point that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is we need a re-Jesus revolution. We need a re-Jesus revolution. Now, for all you grammatical people out there, I understand that's bad language, all right? Because Jesus is a noun, not a verb. And, and we use the prefix re on verbs when we're talking about uh, like the idea of rebuild. We need to do something again. So we built first and then it was torn down and we have to rebuild. Or we have to be reborn as Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in John chapter 3. It's the idea of doing something again. So I understand that in the, in the strict sense of the word, Jesus is a noun, not a verb, but he also says that all life comes through him. So it, all action and things that happen come from him. So when I'm saying we need to read Jesus, what I'm saying is we need to put Jesus back in his proper place. We need to understand that all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to him and him alone. That every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess to Jesus. And, and you know, and, and, and hear me here and hang with me here. There's been a lot of conversations over the last couple weeks and couple months about a revolution. And, and a revolution, if you just look at the definition of the word, it is an overthrow. And we even unfortunately saw some of that this week in our own country, this idea that I want to overthrow what is uh, oppressing me or what is in charge of me or what is over me. And here's what I want you to hear me say. We do not need a new politician at a revolution. We need a Jesus one. And this is where the church, and this is where I'm going to push you, I'm going to push you, and again, I'm not saying, and I've said this before, I try my best not to be political in the way that you think, but I try to be way more political than you ever thought. And what I mean by that is this, the ultimate hope for the country is in and only in the person of Jesus alone. And every four years as Christians, we are faced with the choice to not only who are we going to elect as a president, but who are we going to see as in charge of the world. And this is where we as Christians, if we're not careful, we can get so idolatrous where we don't just vote for a president, but we put way too much power into that position. And that is what can happen. And it can disillusion a lot of people. And so when I say we need to read Jesus revolution, I, I want you to understand, I do want us to see that we do need to overthrow the people in our lives that we have put wrongly in the place that only Jesus can occupy. That's the point. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying I'm not concerned about our country. Oh, I am. But here's what I'm more concerned about. I'm more concerned about the church more concerned because the church is made up of all nations. If you just read the storyline of the Bible, it went from a family to a nation made up of families 
to a family made up of nations. And so today, do we want God to bless America? Yes, we do. But we want God to bless every nation on earth. And so what supersedes any country is the church. And who is the head of the church? It is Jesus. And so what we need is not, hear me, we don't need this generically Christian nation. We need specific Christian people. And so the power resides in the person of Jesus through the body of Jesus, which is the church. And that is where we need to invest our time and energy. And that's what I'm getting at. So a real simple question is this. How much time and energy in 2020 did we invest into political things instead of spiritual things? When the real power is in the person of Jesus. That's why we're doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because we need a re-Jesus revolution. Now, I don't control much of anything. But one thing I am responsible for is Revolution Church. And so when I said we need a re-Jesus revolution, it is a play on words because we need a re-Jesus revolution too. Revolution Church needs a re-Jesusing. Now, when you think about the name revolution, let's be honest. It is a little bit of a weird name for a church, isn't it? People are like, you go to what, what church? Revolution? I'll never forget, this about eight or nine years ago, we had our, one of our church signs in our yard, a big old revolution church, and my lovely neighbor was walking by, an older lady, and we were talking. She's like, hey, can I ask you a question? I've shared this story before, but it's always funny to me. She said, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Oh, yes, ma'am. Revolution Church. Yeah, that's the church and pastor. She goes, what are y'all revolting against? Because <laughs> in her mind, that was just a weird name for a church. And I said, well, we're revolting against sin, hell, and the devil. She's like, oh, okay. And when I came to Revolution, and I was saying this earlier, we, we you know, retooled the, the mission. We retooled what we were about. And we even changed the logo, which staff and people in our church had a tattoo of the old logo. I'm like, I'm sorry. I know you love it. We're keeping the name, not the logo, all right? So there's people with tattoos of the old logo. We changed that. And, and, and I toyed with or thought about changing the name, but two reasons why I didn't. One is because the church had already gone through one name change. It was started as, and again, you OG revolution people know this, it was started as Ridgestone Church. And about two years in, they changed the name to Revolution Church. So then I thought, well, you know, I don't want to change, we're changing everything else. I don't want to change the name. But then the second reason is I fell in love with the name. Because I love the idea of a Jesus revolution. I love the, because did he not come to start a revolution? Yeah, he came to overthrow the powers and the principalities of darkness that were ruling all the powers on earth. This is what Jesus said. This is why, again, in Matthew 28, he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So now in the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, every power and principality on earth now has to say yes, sir, to our Jesus. And so when I'm talking about a read Jesus revolution, now I'm like, this is the greatest name ever because that's what we want to see. We want to see a revolution church that is about Jesus. And we want to see the church, Revolution Church, move out into the world under the banner and name of Jesus and cause a revolution in people's lives that is not a political one, but is a spiritual one. Where darkness falls, where addictions fall, where people that are oppressed, where things that are wrong in the world, the church of Jesus moves out and re-Jesuses it. Puts it back in its proper place. That is our mission, church. And I'm getting fired up because, again, I mean, think about it. You go to a church with the name Revolution. And so if you are a part of a church with the name Revolution, then just sitting in, we ain't even got pews here. Just sitting on a chair like a bump on a log ain't going to work at a church with this name. You with me when I say that? It ain't going to work because 
We are about the Jesus revolution. We are about loving us some Jesus and growing some people. And, and that's why this season of abide is so important. And that's why I started with the mission of our church. Because it is the time for us. Again, if you're concerned about what's going on in the country, then what better thing to do than to take 21 days and spend it with Jesus? To pray and to fast. Because it is that alone. And this is where, again, and I mean this to be convicting. People gripe that in 1967 they took prayer out of the schools, but yet those same people don't have prayer in their homes. They don't have prayer in their work. They don't have prayer in their marriages. They don't have prayer in their families. And again, I'm not throwing stones because I struggle with this too. I've said this many, many times in 11 years how I struggle with praying. But that's why we do this as a church because it re-Jesuses us. So we're going to take the next 21 days, January 11th through January 31st, to re-Jesus our church, to put him back in his proper place. So here's what we're doing. A couple things, a couple um, specific, you know, kind of practical things for you. And I got these on the screen. We're doing a 21-day prayer focus. So it's, think about it like this, three weeks, three seven-day groups because seven is a biblical number. It means perfection. So week one, week two, week three, three groups of seven. And week one is about abiding. And this is where you're just praying, asking the Lord, God, help me to abide in you. Week two is about pruning. This is when you tell the Lord, God, you, not that you need my permission, but you got my permission to cut off anything that needs to go. Because I don't want to be cut off, so cut off anything dead in me. Anything that I brought over from 2020 that needs to go, you, you take it. And then week three, it's about fruit. Saying, God, grow fruit in our life. Grow fruit in my marriage. Grow, fr grow fruit in my home, in our church, in our country, in our world. Because he wants to. So that's the focus for the next 21 days. Now, it doesn't mean that let me say it in the positive. I want you to pray about things more than just that. But that's just kind of to give you some guidelines for these three groups of seven. And again, all this information is on our website. Just go to revolution.church. There's an abide graphic. Click that and all the prayers. And then the next part, the fasting. Because not only do we take 21 days to pray, but we also add on top of it fasting. Now, what is fasting? Fasting is going without it's removing something and then replacing it with something. And you do that because it's like supercharging your prayers. And I don't mean that like it's a gimmick or it has magical powers, but, but there's just something that happens when, when you don't just pray, but you pray instead of eating. When you are that committed to seeing that happen. And so there's four different types of fasts that I'm going to show you. And again, all this information's on our website, and I'm, let me tell you these four, and then I'll kind of break it down about how to do it. First one is a complete fast. A complete fast is when you remove food. You're removing all food and drink only liquids. Now, I have done this several times. I would say if you're new to fasting, I wouldn't start with that one, because this is removing all food. You got to kind of prepare yourself for that one. Second one is a selective fast. This is what my wife and I are going to do for this 21 days. It's when you remove certain foods from your diet. The one that's very popular, it's called the Daniel diet, even though it's again, not a diet in the way we think of diets. But when Daniel was praying for those 21 days, he didn't eat the king's choice food. He wasn't eating meat. He wasn't eating bread. He was only eating fruits and vegetables. And my, again, my lovely daughter, several years ago, she's like, I'm going to fast from vegetables. And I said, baby, you got to eat vegetables first before you can fast from them. So I'm saying that to you because I don't want you to, to yeah, I'm going to give up that. No, no, no. You need, what is it that more than anything that you love? I'm not talking to your wife and kids or spouse, husband. I'm, I'm saying food. Here's another one that, that Lindsay and I, we're giving, uh, we're eating fruits and vegetables. We're also going to give up coffee. Mm-hmm. For those of you online, I don't know if you didn't hear it, but that was a groan in the room. Yeah. 
And all those that are online that were just taking a sip of coffee were like, ooh. Yeah, it's tough. Lindsay and I have done it several times. But think about it. Here's, let me go a step further, though, before I... Sweet tea? Mm-hmm. Amen, somebody. Those things obviously have caffeine in them. That's part of it. Part of it is we enjoy it. Anything wrong with sweet tea and coffee? No. God bless them. He made the beans. Let's roast them up, right? But, but my point is thinking, what is it in your life that you're like, Man, I don't know if I could give that up. Well, that's probably what you need to give up. Because over these next 21 days, and again, I'm not trying to Jesus juke you here, but what do you need more? Jesus or those things. If you're younger in the house, maybe you give up sugar. That's what my kids have now grown to. I'm like, yeah, baby, you gotta give up sugar. And that's a tough one. So you just remove something from your diet. Second or third one, partial fast. This is removing food during the day or days of the week. Uh, it's amazing to me now um, that science has finally caught up with the Bible, which is great because now intermittent fasting is very popular. It's like, well, the Bible's been talking about that for thousands of years. So uh, yeah, if you, if you already do that, great. Just, you only eat all your food within like four to six hours in a day. That's fine. Or you want to fast for certain days of the week. That's great too. I, I, I would say fasting as a regular discipline is great. You fast one day a week from here on. Are you intermittent fasting after this? Here, that's great. Now, those three involve food. The fourth one is this, soul fast, removing things other than food to refocus. Now, this one is primarily when we think about media. Uh, or it, it may just be things in your life that tend to be toxic for you. Uh, maybe it's not a food or a substance thing. It's people or circumstances or situations. And again, I think it might do us all some good if we stay off social media for the next 21 days. You know, we are going through a presidential transfer of power. And again, not trying to get too political here, but what would it look like if we spent the next 21 days praying and, and not posting? And, and it's crazy. And, and again, I'm not trying to be too critical here or say necessarily that these things in themselves are bad. However, there has now been this exodus from the major like platforms and people going and downloading all these other platforms. Okay, fine. But why are we obsessing over that? Why are we obsessing over posting something for everybody else to see as opposed to kneeling and praying for him to hear and see? And so what I'm getting at is, man, what a great thing. Whether you like the current president or not, or like the future one or not. But we are commanded as Christians to pray. And so what a great thing to do during this transfer to remind ourselves that there is not a transfer of godness. There's not a transfer of the sovereignty of God. And this is why we have to be so careful not to place all of our hopes in a political leader because at best, they'll give you eight years. But with Jesus, you get all eternity. And, and so that's where I think that would be a great thing for us to do as Christians. So let me wrap up this fasting section saying this. Here's what I would recommend. Again, you pray about this. If you need to talk to a medical person, that's fine. Talk to your spouse, friends, groups. That's good. What I would say is do some type of food component, some type, and then do something else, some other kind of media or something. Do, do one in those two areas and, and take the next 21 days to get in his word, to get into, back into that relationship. Now, you can lose it, but again, you can have a distance. And so we can take this season to pray and to seek his face. Which let me leave you with these last couple of verses in John chapter 6. Jesus answered them, John 6, verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. 
He said, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. So that's why I'm saying this type of fasting. I think there needs to be some type of food component because we all work for that. And it's not bad. I hope you work for your food. That is a good thing. Paul says later, if we don't do that, we're, we're not godly people. But here's what Jesus is getting at too, because they kept coming to Jesus because they liked it because he could multiply some fishes and loaves. Like this dude's awesome. Same with him. He'll feed us. And, and Jesus was saying, listen, I got other food for you and, and work for that one. The food that doesn't perish. And I would love to give it to you. The last couple of verses, he says, for on him, the father has set his seal talking about himself, the son of man. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And who is that he has sent? Not your favorite politician, Jesus. There's only one who's got the seal, that's Jesus. There's only one who's the savior, that's Jesus. There's only one who died and rose again, that's Jesus. And the whole point of the gospel of John is to convince us to believe in Jesus. And that is why we're going to take these next few weeks and talk about Jesus. And then right when we're done with abide at the end of January, the very first week of February, I'm going to start preaching through the gospel of John. I've been feeling this way for a little over a year now. I told friends and some of our staff, I just, I knew we were going to preach through it. Obviously I had no idea what was going to happen in 2020, pandemic or politics. But if there's one thing that I know in 2021 is that we need to believe in Jesus. And so we're going to preach through the gospel of John for the rest of 2021 and however long it takes us to get into it in 2022. Because the purpose statement of the gospel of John, you can go read this on your own, is in John chapter 20. At the end of the chapter, John says this, these were written that you might believe, and by believing, have life in his name. So that's the purpose statement of John. And what is the purpose or mission statement of revolution? Love Jesus. So we got 21 days to focus on Jesus, and then we're going to come out of that, and we're going to get into the gospel of John and look at Jesus to remind ourselves that no matter what is going on, that Jesus is our true vine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word that long before America ever showed up on the scene, you provided a solution. Long before Israel ever showed up on the scene, you provided a solution. Long before sin ever entered the world, you provided a solution. And it's Jesus. And God, I pray that if the events of last year and the beginning parts of this year have told us anything, it's that we can't bank on anyone but Jesus. And so God, help us to abide in him, to remain in him, to spend time with him longer than like an hour once to abide. But God, there may be some people here today or watching online that don't know Jesus. And God, you have simply said that if they will confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you'll save them and they can be in a relationship with Jesus. So I pray right now, God, you would open their eyes to the truth about who Jesus is. Because as Micah said, and we talked about on Christmas, there is no one like you forgiving sins and passing over our transgressions. So nobody looking around or talking, even if you're watching online, if you've never trusted Jesus, right now you can. He didn't ask you to do these things for him. He asked you to believe in the things he did for you, which is die for your sins and rose again. 
saving you from them. So if you want to trust Jesus right there where you are, you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud, but it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son, Jesus, in my place for my sins. I confess I'm a sinner. I'm trusting in Jesus alone, and I ask you to forgive me. Save me. Thank you for loving me. Now, again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just prayed that and you're in one of our locations, would you just simply lift up your hand so we can see that, so we can know who you are? Thank you. We got men and women are gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put your hand down. And in a moment, whether you're online or in person, you can text us your information, let us know who you are so we can follow up with you. But then all of us together, maybe those who just trusted Jesus or those who have known Jesus for a long time, let's make 2021 the year that we re-Jesus our lives. Where we had a re-Jesus revolution. Where we weren't focused so much on who was in control of our country, but who was in control of our church and who was in control of our hearts and who's in control of our families. Because the greatest threat to our life isn't out there, it's in us. And so let's take these next 21 days and let's start a re-Jesus revolution. So that out of Revolution Church comes a re-Jesusing in our families and in our communities and hopefully throughout our country and the world. Father, thank you. Thank you that no matter what's going on, we know that Jesus has all authority. And if we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us, then we are okay. And we will see the light of day. We will see you come again and make everything right. So until that day comes, God, help us to move out with the authority that you have given us and make disciples telling people about Jesus so that they can know the hope that we have. That if they'll abide in you, that they can have the good fruit, the good results that they want. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you, church.